Open your Bibles, if you would, the book of Isaiah, chapter 6. The book of Isaiah, chapter 6. We'll be looking at a few verses here tonight. It's a story that you're very familiar with. I think we had a Sunday school lesson here last week about, with, about this same text. I don't know what it's going to take to get my voice back. The Lord knows, but just pray that we get through this and you understand and you can hear me. That's my only concern. I want you to be able to hear me. And uh, we have to tweak the microphone a little bit. We'll do that, but I just want you to be able to hear me. Uh, Book of Isaiah chapter 6. If you're there, say amen. Amen. Uh, Let's all stand if if you're physically able for the reading of the Word of God. We'll read verses 1 through 8 this evening. Isaiah chapter 6. Verse 1 through 8. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another, and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the king the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you for uh, once again for the opportunity to open your word and to speak this evening. Dear Lord, give me a voice. Dear Lord, as we open your word, I hope that we'll be able to see you. And as we see you and who you are and what you are, dear Lord, I hope, dear Lord, that we'll see who we are. And dear Lord, after we see who we are, I hope, dear Lord, we'll be able to see others that are around us here tonight. I pray, dear Lord, just bless the reading and the preaching of your word tonight. Forgive us, Lord, for all of our sins. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a story about a community of ducks waddling off to Duck Church to hear the duck preacher. The duck preacher spoke eloquently about how God had given the ducks wings with which to fly. With these wings, there was nowhere the ducks could not go. There was no God-given task the ducks could not accomplish. With those wings, they could soar into the presence of God himself. Shouts of amen were quacked throughout the duck congregation. 
At the conclusion of the service, the ducks left, commenting on what a wonderful message they had heard and waddled back home. I'm afraid that we are a lot like the duck church sometimes. We come to church, we sing the songs, we hear the message, and when the service is over, we leave the same way we came in. We leave unchanged and unaffected. I'm, uh, the good news is that it doesn't have to be that way. I believe that every time we come together in church, every time we gather for worship, that God has something for us. He has something he wants to do in our lives. And if we don't get it or experience it, then it's our fault. And, and, and not his. This evening, I pray that we will open up our hearts to God and allow him to work in our lives. Right now in our hearts, let us say, not my will, but thine be done. As we look at this passage of scripture, I want us to notice, first of all, Isaiah's look upward. His look upward. We begin our text with the tech, uh, with the verse of scripture. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died... I saw the Lord sitting upon the throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Here we find uh, Isaiah at a time, at a low time in his life. It was the year that King Uzziah had died. For the most part, Uzziah was a good king. For the most part, he was obedient to the Lord's command. He had some issues. He was not perfect. He had some problems. He let some things go on that shouldn't have gone on. He tried to uh, uh, exercise the office of a priest in going into the temple and making a sacrifice on the altar. And he was met with resistance of about 80 priests who, who, who uh, escorted him out of the temple. And because of that episode, he was cursed with leprosy. And he lived out the rest of his days not even being able to enter into the temple because of his uncleanliness. But for the most part, Uzziah was a good king. And it was a low time in the, in the, in the nation of Israel when Uzziah died. But Isaiah, uh, as, he, as he contemplated the situation that the, the nation of Israel was in, that low point, it was a, a wonderful time. When you're low in the valley, it's a great time to look up to heaven. It's a great time to look up and see the God of heaven. And so that's what uh, Isaiah uh, did as he said, as he said, uh, he, he, he looked up and saw the Lord sitting upon the throne. He, when Isaiah was discouraged and disillusioned, rather than looking down, Isaiah looked upward. Book of Psalms chapter 121 or the 121st Psalm uh, verses 1 through 8. It says, I will lift up mine eyes into the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. 
The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon the right hand. The sun shall not smite thee day by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Uh, there are some encouraging words from the psalmist who says, you know, when things are not going well, when things are not uh, looking very positive, we have a hope. We can look to someone else who has everything under control. We may lose control of certain circumstances that are going on in our life, but there are there is nothing that is outside the control of our Lord. He has his hand, he has a grip on everything. He knows what's going on. He knows what's happening in each and every one of your life. When you get faced with a situation that you you just say, "Uh oh, what am I going to do now?" Understand that God already knows about it. He knows and he cares. We can look to him. And we can know that that he is in control. He is on the throne. The Lord is preeminent. If you see the Lord this evening, if you encounter God, you will see that he surpasses them all. King Uzziah had died, but God was alive. Crisis may come into our lives, but God is on the throne. Finances may fail, but God is on the throne. Our health may falter, but God is on the throne. Tragedy may strike, but God is on the throne. The throne in Judea was vacant, but the throne in heaven was occupied. And God revealed the sovereignty of in the temple. I want you to understand that when I was at Uzziah, Isaiah saw there in Isaiah chapter 6, when he saw the temple, he saw the Lord sitting on the throne. You really want to know who, who he saw? The, the Bible says that no man has seen the Father, but when you've seen the Son, you've seen the Father. You know who was sitting on the throne that Isaiah saw? He was, he was looking at the pre-incarnate manifestation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It was it was the Lord Jesus Christ 740 years before he came to Bethlehem. Uh, you, you know, some people get the idea that Jesus began in Bethlehem. Well, I have news for you. <laughs> when, when, when God said, let us make man in our image, Jesus was there. <laughs> when God formed man of the dust of the ground, it was Jesus that was on his knees forming that dust of the ground and making a human being. It was Jesus who was there. He was there. It was long before he was, became in human flesh. But it was Jesus that he saw. Isaiah saw something there on the throne. He saw the Lord. And he, and he, he is preeminent. He, he, is, uh, he is everything. There was a famous uh, conductor, Arthro uh, Toscani, the master symphony conductor. He had given a masterful performance of Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. The audience was alive that night. The master laid down his baton. The response was spontaneous. They rose to their feet and applauded and applauded. 
There was an encore, then another. The roses were brought out. The orchestra bowed. Toscani bowed. Finally, Toscani hung his tired body over the music stand, wrapped his baton, and said, Gentlemen, gentlemen, the orchestra leaned forward to listen. Was he angry? They couldn't really tell. In a fiercely enunciated whisper, he said, Gentlemen, I am nothing. They sat there gasping at this genius of musical performance. Then he wrapped his baton again and said, Gentlemen, you are nothing. They had heard this for weeks before the in the rehearsals. They sat there in silence before the great master. Then, with a tone of adoration, he said, Oh, but Beethoven, he's everything, he's everything. Let me tell you something. Jesus is everything. You are not anything compared to what Jesus I am nothing. I spent 16 years on the foreign mission field and, 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 and you, you get paraded uh, when you come back and visit churches and, and churches set you up on a pedestal and say, hey, we have a real live missionary here. I, I often wondered as opposed to what, a, a dead one? You know, and they treated us like kings, and, and you know, and it, it, I tried my best not to let go of my head, but you know, there was a verse of scripture that really brought it home to me exactly how I stand uh, in the kingdom of God. And that was written by one of the most well known missionaries of all time, Paul, as he wrote to, to the church at Corinth over in, over in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. He says, who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministers by whom you believed. Even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, talking about Paul, Paul said, speaking. Apollos watered, watered, but God gave the increase. So then, listen. So then, neither is he that planteth anything. Talking about himself. He's nothing. Neither he that watereth Apollos is nothing but God that gives the increase. Listen, we can't do, we can't be, we can't do anything without the power of God in our lives. If we're here today, we're here because God gave us the ability to walk through those doors and be here. If we have a job, God gave us that job. If, he gave, if we have a family, he gave us that family. If we have an income, God gave us that. We are who we are by the grace of God. And we should never forget that. He is preeminent in our lives. Not only is he preeminent, but the Lord is priestly. Two things we see. Uh, which Isaiah saw reminds us of the priestly work of the Lord. First of all, we see that he was seated. Jesus got up from his seat. He descended to earth. He took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of sinful man and became obedient unto death on the cross after his his. Resurrection, he ascended back to the heaven where he is now seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. The Lord, he is priestly. The second thing we see is that the robe that he wore. The Bible says his train uh, uh, filled the temple. That low, long, flowing robe that he was wearing filled the temple. 
You could tell uh, of his position. He was, he was not only preeminent and priestly, he was pure. We write, read in verses 2 and 3, the seraphims that were there in the temple above the temple. There was two, at least two, we don't know for sure, but there was two because they were talking to one another. And what they were saying was, he said they, they, they cried unto, uh, uh, and one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Not only did he say how, talk about the holiness of the Lord, but he said the whole earth is full of his glory. The whole earth is full of his glory. I'm amazed sometimes how that people talk. And, and I know we mean well, but down through the years growing up, I, I remember people saying, uh, I know God's in our church because I brought him here. Let me let you in on a secret. You can't bring God anywhere. He is everywhere. He, there's not a place you can go where he ain't. He is everywhere. Yes, you might feel his presence where, in this church, and I hope you do. I hope you, you understand that he is here and he's everywhere you go. And I hope you listen to what he leads us to do. But as we see uh, him in, in this temple and, and the seraphims are crying one to another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And there's no doubt that the Lord is holy. There is nothing imperfect about him. He's beautiful. He's perfect. He's sinless. He's God. And he is our Savior. He's the one who, who was offered on that sacrifice on the cross to pay the debt for our sins that we deserved to pay. It, it, it was, should have been us that was on that cross, but he took our place. He's holy. He's holy. He's holy. Some people think it was called three times to signify the Trinity of God. I don't know. It's what commentators sometimes talk and sometimes say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. He is pure. Well, notice what happened when Isaiah saw the Lord. This is what will happen, what will transpire when we encounter God. When we encounter God, we will do as Isaiah did. We sometimes compare ourselves um, to others, and we look pretty good. But when we see the Savior, wow, we just don't measure up. We see that Isaiah first had the upward look, and next thing we're going to look at is the inward look. As Isaiah beholds the Lord and sees how holy he is, how pure he is, it brings him to the realization his own condition. It exposes his own uh, condition before the Lord as he stands there. You know why we don't experience divine encounters in church and in our lives? Do you know why we don't sense the presence of God nor the, his power the way that he'd like for us to do? It's because we think that everyone else needs it but us. We think that when the preacher is preaching that great sermon, we, 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 uh, we, we say, well, you really told them, preacher. 
I sure wish so-and-so had been here to hear that message. When we have a divine encounter with God, when we look upon a glimpse uh, and catch a glimpse of his presence, then we will look first inwardly and check our own hearts to measure our own standing with God. Folks, don't think about someone else when you're in church. You're, you're shortchanging what God has for you on that day. You're shortchanging what God has for you today. Are you looking for what God has for you when you come to church and hear the message from God? Do you ask yourself the question when you come, what does God want to tell me today? We, if we were to approach each service, I guarantee you, your, your cup would be running over. Because God has something for you. He has something for you if you'll just open up your heart and come with the right attitude and listen to the message. You will find that God has a message for you that's designed specifically for you. Don't just use a shovel and shovel over your shoulders and give it to somebody else. Listen, pay attention, and make application to yourself. Notice what hap what what happened. And with Isaiah after seeing the Lord. We find in verse number five. Uh, the conviction he experienced. He says in verse number five. Woe is me. Woe is me. The conviction uh, of knowing who he really was. Listen, I don't know what goes on in your lives from day to day. I don't know the secrets you might have that only you know about. I don't know that God does. But when you come face to face with God, you can't help but say, woe is me. Woe is me. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. And the conviction should overcome us. Because I know that we all have issues. If we're living and breathing and talking and walking around this earth, we've got issues. Uh, we, we, we sometimes want to deny it. I'm okay. I, I'm all right. Uh, you know, that other person, they, they really have issues. Uh, really? <laughs> uh, you know, don't be comparing ourselves to one another. If you want someone to compare yourself, compare yourself to the life of Christ. You know, and I guarantee you, we're going to fall short. We're going to fall short. We're not going to be able to, to measure up. But we, Isaiah says, woe is me. The conviction that he felt, not only uh, the conviction that he experienced, but note that his condition was exposed. Also, in verse number five, he says, for I am undone. I am undone. This means he was broken. How he was broken because of his condition. We mentioned this morning about Peter's denial. How he went out and wept bitterly. I wonder sometimes when was the last time we cried because of our mistakes. No, we like to be the tough guy. No, it's I don't need to cry. 
Well, I tell you what, you know, in Romania, it was a thing that, uh, it, especially for men, it was very unmanly for, for a man to cry. I had to remind them about time. The Bible says Jesus wept. There's times to cry. There's times that our hearts should be broken. There are times when uh, even joy should bring tears to our eyes from time to time. And I, I, I try my best to control my emotions. Sometimes I lose it. It's okay. You just please forgive me if, if you take offense to that. If I, but when was the last time you cried because of your situation between you and the Lord? Isaiah, he says, I'm, I'm undone. I'm broken. I'm undone. He, he, and this uh, led to his confession. His confession says, because I am a man of unclean lips. Now, we don't quite understand that terminology today. Uh, we don't understand what he's saying. I'm a man of unclean lips. It doesn't mean he forgot to brush his teeth. But the words that came out of his mouth was an expression of what was going on in his heart. And that's the same way with us today. It was an expression uh, of showing that his heart was, he had issues in his heart. And it, 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 it produced a, a, a vocabulary, or reduced things to be said that I'm a man of unclean lips. He realized he had some internal issues. Maybe issues that no one knew about, that no one was aware of. He was a prophet of God. He was, he was his man. And he says, I, I am a man of unclean lips. We live in a society that we, we realize that we, we have sin, but not only did he realize personally that he had unclean lips, but he said, I live amongst the people who have unclean lips. I, I am surrounded by people with issues. He was speaking on behalf of the nation of Israel where, where, where the people of Israel were had altars set up to other gods besides the one true God. And, and King Uzziah uh, let it happen. And the people were comfortable having the temple in Jerusalem and having these other temples to other gods spread out all over the land. And they were content to have that. They were not burdened about that. They let it happen. And Isaiah, as he stood there, he said, I'm, I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips and, I, and I'm surrounded by people who are just like me. Isaiah... As he had this inward look, he realized the situation and it brought him to confess his sins. <clears throat> he confessed to the Lord his position. And then we see his conviction and his condition, his confession. And then we see his cleansing as we look at verses 6 and 7. And flew one of the seraphims unto me, having live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Oh, don't you know that Isaiah was happy about that? 
I tell you what, if you're, if you're tired of, of, of what's going on in your life, the sin, and you realize what's going on in your life, you want to get happy, you want to get over it, just confess it to Him. Just confess it to God and let Him cleanse you once again to, clean, to wipe your slate clean. Boy, I tell you what, there's no better feeling to know that you've come clean with God. That you don't have any more secrets with Him. That you opened up your heart. You've poured it all out before Him. And you've, you've just confessed it to Him and, and come clean with God. There's no better feeling than that. Oh, Isaiah, that coal was touched him, his lips. Book of, book of first John chapter 1, verse 9, another familiar verse of Scripture. First John Chapter 1, verse 9, says we, we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Wouldn't it be great to be just, just, just do that? To just to confess to Him? You know what? You don't have to be afraid. The Lord's calling you to do that. He wants you to do that. And, and if we uh, continue with our sin and deny that we have issues and we don't confess it for Him, we're going to be most miserable. We're going to continue in our misery. Our life will never be what God wants it to be until we can just come clean with Him once again. You'll never be Everything that God wants you to be unless you will do this. Well, we've seen his upward look and his inward look. And this leads us to his outward look. As we see this verse of scripture. Verse number. Number eight. We find that the Lord spoke. Also, I heard a voice. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. I want you to notice he was attentive. Up to this point, he had seen the Lord high and lifted up in the temple. He had heard the angels declaring the holiness of God. He had yet to hear the voice of the Lord, but now he hears God speak. He is attentive to what he says. Until we have been brought under conviction and seen our own sinful condition and been cleansed by his power, we will not be able to be, hear his voice when he speaks. Sin will cloud our minds, cloud our hearts to where we can't hear God. He was attentive and also he was available. The Lord asked him the question, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Notice that word, us. Do you notice that, us? Who will, who will go, uh, who's us? It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. <laughs> who will go for us? And, and the Lord, uh, who will go for us? And the Lord is still asking that same question today. Who will go? <laughs> Isaiah responded to the voice of God by saying, Here am I. Here 
Here am I. We talked about that in our, our, our class tonight. I told Brother Barr, he was getting all over my message tonight. And I said, that's okay. You're just going to get him warmed up. <laughs> Here am I. Have we said that? Brother Barr mentioned sometimes we're afraid to say that because we're afraid what the answer might be. I want you to know that Isaiah said, here am I, and he didn't know what it was. He didn't know what the Lord wanted him to do, but he said, here am I. Lord, do it. Don't be afraid. If the Lord wants you to do something spectacular, you know, do whatever, go to a foreign mission field, don't worry. You'll go one way or the other. He has a way of getting us to go. You don't have to worry about that. I, I was in a lot of churches. And I, I'd be shaking hands at the end of the service. And people come out and they look at me and say, say I, I just could not do what you do. They said, they, I, I, I pray for you. I'll do everything I can to help you stay there. He says, but I just can't do what you do. And I, I said, don't worry. If God don't call you, you don't have to go. You better not go if that God hasn't called you. <laughs> I guarantee you, if you go and God hasn't called you, you're in trouble. Isaiah said, here am I. He was agreeable. Send me. If you're not willing to go anywhere, then God might not be willing to send you anywhere. We must be willing to say, as Isaiah, here am I, send me. Listen, there's a lot of work for the Lord to do. That doesn't mean going to a foreign field. There's things to do right here. There's lots of opportunities for ministry right here. If you're a member of this church, you need to be involved. You need to find out how you can fit in. Because if you're a member of this church, God put you here. He, he directed you here. He placed you here for a purpose. Have you ever tried to drive a car with only three wheels? Uh, wouldn't work very well. Cars put together, everything is put in its place to where it gets, gets on down the road, it works together. How do you think a church operates when some of its members aren't where they ought to be doing what they ought to be doing? It causes a church to be handicapped. And we need to we need to find a place. Everyone can't preach. Everyone's not called to preach. But if you are, preach. Everyone can't sing, but some people can. If you can, sing. If you can talk to people, talk to people. If you can pray, you can pray. If you can give, give. Whatever. He has for you to do. Do it with all your heart. And say here am I. Send me.